Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the All-NBA Show, part of the All-City Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Mares, and I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, traveling by trains, planes, and automobiles to be here with us today. It's Tim Legler. Legs, how you doing? Uh, you left out a canoe and a camel. I, I did a little <laughs> yeah. bit of everything to uh, <laughs> to make it here today. I'm, good, I'm doing well, man. Good to, good to be back on with you. Yeah, it's good to be with you as well. And shouts to Gerald for hosting in my absence yesterday. Really good show. If you missed it, check it out. Lots of Suns talk and Pelicans talk. But today, we're going to be going through every... We're going to try something out, something new today, Legs. We're going to talk about every team in the Western Conference. We'll probably do this again later in the week for every team in the Eastern Conference. But every team, it's the start of a new year, a new calendar year. So let's take inventory about what's going on with the various teams around the Western Conference. But before we get into that... We are presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with promo code ALLNBA because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Agent eligibility restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Legs, let's go in order of the standings in the Western Conference. And that means we're going to start with the Minnesota Timberwolves, who uh, have been very good, obviously, throughout the course of the year. Number one in the Western Conference. Top defense, but their offense hasn't been great. They have lost. They are coming off of a loss to the Knicks. They're 19th in offensive rating. Fifth best offense in the clutch, randomly enough. But the question with the Timberwolves now, we know they're a championship caliber defense. Are they a championship caliber offense? Oh, man, this is a tough one because I think, you know, you look at what they're doing and it's it's when they get – lit up, which doesn't happen very often. There have been some teams that put up a pretty good number on them this year. The, the Timberwolves lose those games. Like, they're not going to win the big shootout games. And you see a lot of that in the league, Adam, right? We see that every night. Right. There's teams that are going to win games. One, Even teams that we think can win a championship, they'll win those 133-128 games. Like, Minnesota's yep. not winning those kinds of games. When they when they give up a big number, like north of 120, uh, that they're going to have a hard time keeping up with that. But fortunately for them, it doesn't happen very often because their defense is so good. So I think they're it's borderline. You know, I think really what it's going to come down to is what I worry about for them is not so much in a regular season. I worry about what happens to them when you get into a seven-game series with a really good team, which pretty much anybody in the West that gets into a seven-game series, it's going to be a dangerous right. team because you even look at who that could be 
coming in the six, yep. seven, eight spots right out of the play-in. Like who who could be in those spots? You're talking about very dangerous teams. And the adjustments that you can make within a series, okay, to make it to, to be able to operate against them a little bit better offensively or to really limit them defensively or be able to come up with a way to get one of those bigs off the floor because they're having a hard time guarding the three-point line. Like the adjustments game to game within a series against a good team, that's when you might see some of their offensive uh, weakness play out and become a problem for them. I don't think you're going to see it manifest itself too often in the regular season because very few teams will get to that number against them. They're that good defensively. Yeah. The playoffs will be a different animal because of you know coaching comes into it in a big way. For I'm talking about opposing coaching, and there's some really good ones they'll be going up against. And then just adjustments game to game and, and how you can start to figure out ways to attack them, figure out ways to not let them play to their strength. That's when I think it may be a little bit more of an issue. It'd be nice to see them averaging three, four more points a game, right? You'd feel more comfortable right. if that were the case. Like, they're right at that number where you kind of go, yeah, that's that's not really what modern NBA looks like uh, in winning games. So I, I think there's, it's, a, it's a gray area for me. And if you look, a weird thing about their roster, their leading score is Anthony Edwards, 26 a game. Carl Anthony Towns behind him, 21 a game. Their third leading scorer is Rudy Gobert. And then behind him, Nas Reed. That's not typical of a third score. 13 points a game for both guys, 12 and a half, 13 points a game for both guys. And I just wonder if you if if you think they need another creator slash scorer, because you look around, it's not going to be Mike Conley, maybe Jaden McDaniels, you expect, Kyle Anderson, Nikhil Alexander Walker. Those aren't volume scores. Those aren't guys that are going to get you out of a pickle if you have foul trouble to one of your top two guys, or if somebody's really shutting down one of your top two guys. I don't know if they have a third guy that can break, you know, that in a playoff series. Do you think they need a third score? I think that that would, you know, they added a guy like you're talking about that's a high volume scorer. That's that's you know, kind of one of those hired guns that comes in off the bench right. and can quickly heat up, right? And, and you know, on any night could be combustible for you. Yeah, you add that to this to this mix without giving up something in their in their top four or five guys. Yeah, now you're talking about, I think, solidifying in people's minds a team that can maybe really make a serious run at it. Because I think, you know, despite their record and despite how good they have been defensively and their number one seed in the West and all of those things, I still feel like there's a lot of people that are just waiting for some of these other teams to hit their yeah. stride, right? right. And, and then and, and there's going to be sort of like this recalibration in the West of what the top of the West looks like. If you added a guy like that, maybe there would be less doubt about them regardless of what teams like phoenix and the clippers and the lakers like warriors like these teams that are kind of juggernaut franchises with the talent they have you know sort of lurking in the wings you won't worry as much about that if they had a guy like you're talking about you might the higher i love that you said hired gun because that's really what we're talking about it's not a well-rounded you don't necessarily need that's hard to find it's can you just find a guy that comes in and all of a sudden, other teams have to think about this guy. You know, he heats up really, really quickly. So we got to watch for him. The guy, of course, I've always thought about is Bones Highland, who Tim Conley drafted in Denver uh, two years ago and who could be had for cheap. He's a guy that if he came in and played regular backup point guard minutes, would he be the third leading scorer? He's a hired, he's a, a microwave scorer. So that's my big question for them. Let's go to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, man, has been maybe the story of the year. They were a cute story for a while there. Look how good this team is. They're 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 kind of hanging around. They beat Denver twice in the last 10 games. 
they really don't have a bad loss on their schedule at all. You go through all of the losses that they have, playoff teams. Uh, they went through a tough part of their path. They beat Minnesota. They've had some big wins. They play Boston tonight. What a measuring stick that game that will be for them. Uh, but my question for them is, can they survive January? Because as much as they have been impressive all year, their January is tough. They have five back-to-backs. That's the mo- They're the only team in the NBA that has five back-to-backs in January. And they have 11 road games. So I think it's dumb, Legs, to ask if they're for real. They're definitely for real in terms of they're going to win a lot of games. But are they this real, 22-9, and nine, or five back-to-backs and 11 road games in one month? Is this where they kind of level out a little bit? I think they're legit. First, let me before we go there. Last time I talked to you because you you missed the one show and we had the weekend and the holiday. Yeah. What you so right before they played Denver? That's the last yep. show we did. Just give me yep. a reader digest version of what you saw that night because they put they smacked them. They smacked Denver in the head, and I mean, I mean, really controlled that game. So, what was your what were your impressions? My impressions were that when Denver played them the first time and beat them by 30 points, they were able to contain Jalen Williams and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They had no answer for those two guys in this last one. Shea went whatever he won on the court. And so I look at that and I go, you have KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. He's been good against him in the past. You've got Peyton Watson and Christian Brown, guys you think you could throw bodies at him, but Shea looked like he was unguarded in that game. So my impression was... Shea in particular just is a guy that I thought Denver maybe has a little bit of a matchup for who now I look at it and go, I don't think that that there's a real matchup. So, um, I mean, I was very impressed, very impressed with what they did. This team to me is legit, man. They're real. I I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to put anything past them. And one of the great things about them that I love is they're still, as they're winning games, the growth curve is still so big for these guys, even this year. Yep. We're only a couple months into the season. I mean, you got how many more, you know, six fifty more regular season games with really young players just continuing to gain more confidence and, and the continuity that they have and flow and role acceptance and the way that they yeah. play. I was thinking about this and looking at the entire Western Conference. And outside of Denver's, because, you know, what they accomplished a year ago, and you know that that's just there, those five guys, the way they operate together, they figured it out. Yeah. I don't know that there's another starting five in the Western Conference that I like more yep. than theirs. I, I agree. It, 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 right? I mean, it's just everybody looks – everybody plays efficiently. You know, you look at Holmgren and Jalen Williams. These are two guys that are primarily, like, you thought defensive impact guys initially, and then eventually maybe they become good offensive players. Man, they're giving you 35 a night between the two of them, and they're yeah. both shooting basically 50, 40, 80 splits. I, they're yeah. just they're so comfortable in what they're doing around this star offensive player in Shea Gilgis Alexander. Then you got Gideon and, and, and Lugans Dort kind of round that out. Um, and then you got guys coming off the bench that serve a very specific purpose. I I really don't know that outside of Denver, there's a starting five that I like better with the way they play together than Oklahoma City's. And that's why I don't think they're going anywhere. Yeah. Speaking of Denver, they are up next. You mentioned that game with OKC. It it should be noted that game was without Aaron Gordon. I think if you look at where is OKC the most vulnerable, it's inside. You know, do they have the size? In Denver, you take away Aaron Gordon, they're a little small. But nonetheless, I mean, Oklahoma City just smacked them in their building, which doesn't happen very often. Denver, though, my question is, how good can Peyton Watson be? And I've been texting you about Peyton Watson all year because I'm just so fascinated by this guy. I can't quite – I think he like has a tremendous upside. 
But players that are basically rookies trying to be on a contending team, that's such a tough like needle to thread. And my thing is, the Nuggets have a starting five that we know. Those guys are champion caliber starting five. Christian Brown, Reggie Jackson, I think those are playoff rotation, you know, 10, 15 minutes in a playoff series. I think you're fine. But you need one more guy. Peyton Watson represents that to me. But one thing that Oklahoma City did in that matchup was just not guard him. And I think a lot of teams are going to not guard him and, and dare him, you know, make him the weak link on offense. So how good, from what you've seen, I know you've only seen him a handful of times, how good could Peyton Watson be? And if your championship hopes hinge on him playing in most playoff games, 10 to 15 minutes, is that a real danger for you if you're Denver? Yeah, I think, listen, I, I think Peyton Watson's got a really bright future, and I think he's he's a, he's a guy that I really like going forward in the big picture. This year specifically, for a playoff run through three series, um, is, are you going to get what you were getting out of Bruce Brown? You're not. Right. Not not this year. Now, he has splashy moments. But here's the thing that's interesting about role players on really good teams. You know, six six or eight points for the Denver Nuggets on a given night is is so much more impactful than like 16 out of out of a out of a young player on the Spurs, right? Right. You're not it's just you're not noticing it as much. So so the, right. the, the, the production level in terms of raw numbers doesn't have to be great. But when I look at the comparison to what they had a year ago, it's just that utility knife all around could get it in any number of ways from one guy. Right. They're missing that. Like you, you're gonna get, you're gonna get, you have to get a combination of it now out of Brown and out of Peyton Watson, and maybe you know maybe Strother has a couple of moments in the postseason because he can really score, and maybe on a given night, you know, you need that. He gives you a little bit of a burst. So it's almost like this collective effort to give you what some of the things you were getting out of one guy a year ago. So I don't know that the impact's going to be super heavy like this year. I don't know if there'll be that much growth between now and the time you get to mid-April, but I think the bigger picture with him is very bright. Chris, uh, Bruce Brown last year in the playoffs had two 20-point games. He had a 25-point game against Phoenix in a win. He had a 21-point game in the finals against Miami in a win. He only scored in single figures five times. So to what you're talking about, I think Reggie Jackson is the guy. If you said somebody off the bench scored 25 points, Reggie Jackson's the only guy I can even picture doing that because he sometimes he gets really yeah. hot and he puts up points. But that consistency, double figures in almost all games, that that's the one where you talk about a Peyton Watson. Like I can envision him having big games, but I can't envision him being that consistent, giving you that consistent of offensive production. And that's what you're talking about. The last team here is the Clippers. Um, to round out the top four, which, by the way, the Clippers in the top four, based on <laughs> where they were two weeks ago, is kind of wild. But here they are yeah. as a hosting a, a a round of the playoffs, at least as things stand right now. I didn't have a great question for them, but in talking to some of my Clippers people, one of the things they wondered was the depth. You know, they're obviously an older team, a veteran team, but they have PJ Tucker, who we know they're going to move on from. You got Bones Highland, uh, Brandon Boston, and Kobe Brown. Those are young pieces that probably don't have any role on them. Is there a consolidation trade for to maybe give them more depth, given that those guys, I don't know why, they have no future anyway, so why do you have those pieces? Do you see the Clippers making another move to try to find a forward uh, to give them depth? Definitely. I mean, I think, you know, they're, they're, in a, they're in this situation where they've acquired the talent that they have in the stage of their careers and a coach – kind of built for this, which is going to be a postseason run. So absolutely, there is nothing 
um, on their roster that they're probably married to outside of yeah. those top guys. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think the question is, do, do, they, do they need a little bit more size like up front, right. like a little bit more depth in terms of size? I don't know that there's enough minutes for a guy to have yeah. a big impact. But, you know, one more guy that's you know, got some length and athleticism that can get some defensive rebounds or maybe give you some second possessions, um, some bouncy legs, like somebody like that. Yeah, if they, if they see a guy out there like that, it would not surprise me. But there's nothing that I'm putting past the Clippers. They're not like, okay, got Harden. You know, <laughs> we true. got uh, Kawhi's healthy, right. Paul George is healthy. We're good to go now. The, teams like that, man, they can't have enough uh, security and enough depth. So they're definitely scouring as we speak. And they play, they're looking and yeah. thinking about And they've played Amir Coffey a lot lately, who I, it, I'm i kind of surprised. Like you, you, He's the guy that, do they need him in a playoff series? You're counting on him. I don't know. So maybe they see an upgrade to be had there. Um, you know, that, that, that would be where I would go with it. No, obviously PJ Tucker was a guy they planned on having in the rotation who has not, it should be noted, uh, Mason Plumley. I think he's set to return here pretty soon. They've had Daniel yep. Tice. So maybe they get bigger just by going to their center. Um, but nonetheless, here's their schedule coming up though, legs. Cause I feel like they're a good story. I mean, they've only lost two games. They lost back-to-back -back games against Oklahoma city and Boston, two very tough games, but they haven't prior to that. Their previous loss was in November. So they get out of December with an incredible record, but here's their schedule at Phoenix, at New Orleans, at Los Angeles to play the Lakers, uh, Phoenix, Toronto, at Memphis, at Minnesota, then Oklahoma City. Those are all good teams. With the exception of Toronto, those are all good teams. So I'm curious to see this next eight games. They're on a nice heater. I think they have the best record, eight and two over the last 10 games. Only the Celtics have a better record or nine and one. So I'm curious to see if they maintain that uh, over this run. If they do, then we're talking about a team that's probably going to be a home home court team in the first round of the West, which is not something we would have predicted just a little bit ago. Um, all right, let's take a break. On the other side, let's get to Sacramento. Very curious to hear your takes on Sacramento because we were so high on them a month ago, but they've been a little bit shakier. So we're going to get to them uh, as well as New Orleans, Dallas, Phoenix, Houston, and the Lakers on the other side of this break. But first, New Year, guys. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook. We've got the Super Bowl that's not too far away, one of the best gambling days of the year. We're only a couple months away from March Madness, another one of the, the first weekend of March Madness, one of the best gambling days of the year. We've got the national title game all set. You can bet on that one. And right now, if you bet just $5, you can win $150 instantly in bonus bets, no matter whether you win or whether you lose. That's available right now on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You download it, use promo code ALLNBA, and you bet $5, and you get that automatic can't sweat or no sweat bet where you win 150 instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ALLNBA. New customers get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code ALLNBA. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny that's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 older age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash basketball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The most interesting team when I was putting this together, at least the most interesting one for me was the Sacramento Kings, because in my mind legs, Sacramento has been having a tough go. 
we were talking about them. Are they different from last year? This team is leveled up. But over the last little bit, you know, they've they've lost three of their last six. They don't really have any bad losses until they lost to Portland the other day. That was a bad loss. That's their first black mark on their resume so far this season. But at the same time, they haven't necessarily been impressive in the ways that you needed them to be impressive to buy in, namely on the defensive end of the floor. So that's my question. Is this team good enough defensively, or are they just what they were last year, a really good regular season team that's going to get into a playoffs and not be able to get any stops? Uh, I would probably tend to think more of the latter. I think that they're a team that's mm. uh, you know so difficult when they get their pace going. Um, and they've there. We, you and I have both raved about their their half court movement, player movement, ball movement. We love it. Yeah. Um, and yes, and then you know this this incredible weapon, Darren Fox, whose quickness can negate any sort of scheme or personnel because the ball's not where expected to be because he just gets in every gap and seam and his his, his push up the floor puts so much pressure on you. It's a bonus with his ball handling on the perimeter, like. And then they've got some guys that, that that can really light it up from the perimeter. So they they they're an offensive team that when they get humming, they're very tough to stop. I don't know that they're good enough defensively, and I think they're eleven and eight in their last nineteen. So they you know, and that's not terrible, but yeah, you know, that's not like you know world beater stuff. There are teams that have been playing at a higher clip here, you know, over the last five weeks um, than them. And seven of those eight losses are to teams that are like top six in the Western conference. Like they, yep. so that's the thing. Like there, you say like, cause there's two ways to look at it. Like bad losses, right? That's one thing. Not really bad losses. Portland was definitely one. The other teams yeah. are losing to hey, These are quality losses, but that's the thing. And they have a few wins sprinkled out of those 11 yep. against, you know, but you know, a couple against Phoenix when the, Phoenix really wasn't figured out yet anything at right. all. They beat Denver, I think at some point in that stretch. Yep. But then they've got some Memphises and Atlantas and Washingtons, right, scribbled yep. in there, and Utah, like, scribbled in there as well. So it's like that's what you want to know. Can they step into the ring, go toe-to-toe with the real heavyweights and do what you have to do defensively when you're going to need to do it in those games? I think that's a legitimate question mark about them. They have a four-game homestand coming up with all winnable games. New Orleans and Orlando are in those, so it's going to be tough. But after that, Legs... They are on the road for the rest of the month. In fact, they are on the road until February. They have uh, two home games sprinkled in the middle of the month, but that sandwich is a five-game and a seven-game road trip. So January, I think, will be sort of a leveling month for them, but they're going to have to get stops. They're just going to have to go out and beat some team that scores, and they're going to have to get stops en route to do it. Um, New Orleans. Now, this one, I, I had to text with my buddy Christian Clark, who does a great job of, of covering the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, they have a little bit of a feel-good momentum going right now, despite the fact that their starting lineup has been so terrible. I think their starting lineup over the last 15 games, not a small sample size, uh, has been, let me see, minus six and a half. No, this is the last 10 games. Minus six and a half, their starting lineup. CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Jonas Valanciunas, and Herb Jones. That sounds like a great starting lineup, and they've been winning a lot of games, but they've had to recover from their starting lineup. When you win games, like, is it possible to have a bad starting lineup but a good team? Because that's what New Orleans has had lately. Oh, man. Yeah, I, listen, I, I don't know what where else they would go, though, with the guys that they're starting. Like, I don't know what I would do different in looking at their roster. So it's Trey, something Trey, sure Trey Murphy work. would be the one guy. If you, if you swapped Herb Jones for Trey Murphy, who's not, obviously not the defender, 
that Herb Jones is, but he's a good defender, but he's a much better offensive player. That would be the only move I can envision. And I think some of the reason that they go the way they do with Herb Jones is to protect Zion Williamson defensively. I think, yeah. you know, I think Trey Murphy is a guy that can flat out shoot it. You and I both like him a lot. But you give up a little bit more defensively, and Zion is not a guy that's really committed defensively a lot of times. I think he he takes shortcuts um, and, and you know, not always fully engaged and into it on that end of the floor. So I think that that's part of the reason. they you know Especially at the start of games, man, you want at least one or two guys out there that are all about energy and defense to not let teams get rolling on you early because sometimes your offense isn't necessarily there at the start of a game as guys are kind of going up and down, getting loose, getting a shot up, get a feel for the ball. The one thing you don't want to find yourself in is these holes because you don't have enough defense on the floor. I think that's the decision there. Um, mm. And I, I'm okay with it. I don't know that I would do anything to change that. I Look, I guess it comes down to a matter of just more time together, more chemistry. It's everything that they've done for the last several years, I feel like it's always disrupted by one of these guys being out for an extended period of time. So maybe it's just a matter of more rhythm. You know, I talked yesterday about this. I went a little bit of a rant about them because of the Lakers game the other night. And I watched Zion Williamson. And when he plays that hard in yep. quick burst, everything was decisive. He went right yep. at guys. I said, that's their best player. And, and I went down all the teams in the, in the league that contend, that we call contenders or like top talent teams. And every in every case, I asked, who's their best player? And the definitive answer immediately comes out of your mouth. When I say that about the Pelicans, there is no definitive answer. And I wonder if that's ultimately a problem for them because I think it should be Zion Williamson. But a lot of nights, yeah. I don't know that you could say that because I don't know that he goes hard enough all the time. So I think it's more about their starting five kind of figuring things out together more than than changing something up with the personnel. And it's one of those things where they're fifth in net rating over the last 10 games. So they're beating everyone. They're they're having a, you know, they're they're playing well. But the starters being bad is just so strange. But again, we've talked about it a lot. Their depth, we love their role players. We love their depth and their bludgeoning teams with those staggered and bench lineups. Let's go to a team that's not having as much of a good time right now, and that's the Dallas Mavericks. They've lost six of their last nine. And here's a crazy one. Over the last 15 games, they have a minus 15 net rating with Grant Williams. He was their big acquisition this offseason. And at the moment... Every time he's on the court, they're hemorrhaging. Now, part of this is just bad play from Grant Williams, but part of this is you look at some of his numbers on a per 36 basis, it's kind of in line. Percentages, attempts, everything is kind of in line. So is he just a bad fit? What do you think is going on with Grant Williams? And that's my question. Is he a bad fit with them? Yeah, I thought he was going to – He was. I know you and I talked about this before the season. I thought that was going to be a more significant impact for them. I, and I, I've always been – you know, I've admired his defense – he cares about that, and he's versatile. He guards. He gives his body up a lot on penetration. He's willing to take contact and kind of clog the lane. Um, and he's he's always been a you know good spot up catch and shoot three point shooter. And I thought right. playing off of a guy like Luca, I mean that's like got to be a dream for him because you don't have a whole lot of responsibility offensively. Just tow it up and wait, and and he'll get you the ball. And when he passes it to you, he expects you to shoot it. So I thought that kind of simplified things for Grant Williams. I mean, he just doesn't get a lot of shots up. It's not even necessarily that he's shooting a horrible percentage. He doesn't get a lot of shots. And I think his defensive impact isn't as uh, felt with this group because right. in general, they're not a very good defensive team. Yeah. And so when you have, right, when you have one guy that's willing to play a certain way defensively, but that's not really the identity of the team, 
it can get lost. And I think that's happening with Grant Williams. Some nights when I watch, I'm not noticing him. And I always noticed him in Boston. I felt like he was in the middle of everything when he was on the court. And I'm not noticing him that much in Dallas. So I, I think it's fair to ask, is he even comfortable? Is he comfortable right. with his role, with his style of play? Is he comfortable with, with the way they play defensively based on, you know, the team that he left in Boston and the way they could get after it. So I think that's more of a question for Grant Williams, like what he feels internally. And their last loss to Utah, you know, Utah's playing well. We're going to get to them in a second, but you know, that's a tough one. You lost to Cleveland. You lost to Houston. These are those teams, the Houston's, the Cleveland's, the Utah's Utah, you should win, even though it was on the road, but those other ones are like the 50, 50 they're, they're your equivalent. And you've got to start stacking up some of those wins. If you're a Dallas and you have any kind of aspiration, they play Portland two games in a row, both of them in Dallas starting tomorrow. So they have a little bit of a stabilization opportunity for them if they uh, you know, can take advantage of it. But Grant Williams, minus 15 net rating is wild for a major piece. Minus 15, that's like there are players on the Detroit Pistons who do not have a minus 15 yeah. net rating on the year. So it's basically like almost position. like every time you're on the court, there's like a 12-2 run losing. against you. It's like, yep. it's like yeah, you, yeah. you can't escape it. Um, the Phoenix Suns, I know you spent a lot of time on them yesterday, so we'll go very brief, but the question for them, yes, they've won four games in a row. Can they have a consistent stint? Just any consistent stint? And is it coming right now? Now they have played consistently four wins in a row and they're scoring, you know, 112 plus every single night, but can they get their big three to play and just can they get a rotation and an identity that looks the same for more than five or six games. I feel like they've had all these stretches of five, six games, and then everything changes. Can they get 10 to 15 games where it's like, okay, this is what they look like, and this is how they play? I think so. I, I, I was saying yesterday, it's, it's amazing what uh, how energized they've looked since Bradley Beal came back. You know, and, it's, and you know, we, we, I hammered Durant about his body language on Christmas Day and that, what Luka did to them. And the way Durant looked in that game and the frustration and, you know, there were questions about the supporting cast. I just thought it was all, like, lacked leadership. It's amazing. Bradley Beal comes back, and it's like now all of a sudden game starts. It looks like it's a party in there. You know, the bench is all standing up. The crowd's up. Everybody's bouncing. Anything Bradley Beal does beginning of the game seems to energize them. I do think that. Look, this is – when this came together, I you know, and we haven't seen it, so who knows if they can – what it's ultimately going to look like, the ceiling of it. But – but just envisioning the firepower with these three players, the ability to all handle the ball and initiate off ball screen, all have great mid-range games, and all have great catch and shoot ability. It just seems like, you know, this this offensive firepower and potency, something that like is gonna be very difficult to figure out how to limit. And ultimately, I think that's where this is going. I also really like some of the other pieces that they have, despite you know, some of the criticism. I just think that who, who are the, who are the pieces? I'm curious. Coming up here, their schedule's yeah. rough coming up. I mean, they, they, we're going to find out a lot more about them over the next like couple of weeks. They're going to play some really good teams in the West with Beal with at full strength. Yeah. So let's see if uh, what our opinion is of them after they go up against the Clippers a couple times. They've got the Lakers. They've got the Kings. They got the Pelicans. You know, even teams from the East that are pretty good teams. Indiana, Chicago, playing well. So you've got a tough stretch coming up to yeah. teach us more about what actually these top three guys look like playing together. I'm. It seems like Christmas was rock bottom for them, and maybe in a good way. You remember that Christmas game where Kevin Durant was moping? We were so we were we were sick to our stomachs watching that game. Yeah. Well, since then, he has been great, not just as a scorer, but facilitator and all around. 
And as you mentioned, the vibe has been better. Just the feeling around the team has been better. So I, maybe they have turned a corner. Um, but like I said, four games, four games is not a streak. That's not a stick. Right. You know, that's that's just right. you, you had a good week. Uh, but I want to see if they can string together some some month where you're like, okay, there it is. That's what that team, their ceiling is, or that's what they uh, are building towards. Um, another team that's hard to get a read on, the Houston Rockets. My question with them, just because I don't know what their hopes were coming into the year, so it's less about winning and it's more about who are they trying to become. And my question is, they've lost six of the last nine. They have a really tough schedule between now and All-Star uh, break. Is Jalen Green part of the future? This is my big question because they have a lot of young talent. Last week we talked about Tari Eason and how much I like him, and he's not even thought of as a core piece. Jalen Green is the one guy that I look at there and I go, young prospect that kind of felt like he was a different iteration of this team. But now you have all these other guys. Is Jalen Green to you a part of the core? Is he a small piece of the core now where it's like, hey, you don't move anything to fit Jalen Green. He's just there and he fits in or doesn't. How do you approach him? Because he was the first cornerstone piece that they had. Number two pick in the draft. I mean, yeah. now he's in, he's in his third year. And by your third year, if you you know you kind of start to evaluate a guy and say where's the growth coming from, I think Jalen Green is going to be one of those guys. He'll be in the league a long time. He's always going to have you know these flashes of athleticism and scoring ability um, on certain nights. He's going to be a guy that's going to shoot in that forty to forty two percent range, like every single year. That's where yeah. he's going to be, and 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 probably you know anywhere from you know. 31 to 35 percent at most from the three-point line um i just don't think he's ever going to be an efficient scorer i don't think he's necessarily um makes great decisions i think he's more suited to a roll off the bench six um, man yeah microwave about, scorer yeah, we, we were talking about, about earlier need a higher gun. you know we talked about yep. having some of that firepower and, and another creator and a guy that can get his own shot and go score and then just running with a second unit kind of just let him be let him just go I think that's more role suited for him than necessarily on this particular group of guys that start for Houston. I will say this. I think despite the fact that they've cooled off, I still think they're they're ahead of the curve when you look at what the expectations were going into the season. I don't think anybody thought the Houston Rockets would be 30-plus games into the season and over 500. I, I don't think anyone yeah. would have taken that bet. So, yeah. And it's the young bigs, and Shingun is legit, and, and I think they, they had been – Van Vliet, who's who's stabilized them. I don't know that Jalen Green is a guy that like kind of takes it to the next place. So, but teams need a guy like Jalen Green too. So I think that's a good point. Like, what's the future there for him when he could have some value? I think other places in a different role. And that's the tr tricky part is he's the first guy in, so you start building around him. You treat him like he's a centerpiece. Okay, you're the future. But as other pieces come in and as things evolve, it's like now you're saying, I agree with you. I think he's more of a bench scorer. That's the style of play he wants to be. He's not good enough to be a starter caliber of that. So can yeah. you be a bench scorer? But it's very hard and because I'm with you. That's how I would view him. No longer as a cornerstone piece, but as a very good player that, all right, we can fit you into this role. You're going to get more shots, but you're going to play fewer minutes. And here's what's crazy, Legs. Not my mold of player. In the last 16 games, Jalen Green, I know plus minus is it's a team stat and it's messy and it's all this stuff, but sometimes when you have a sample size like this, it means something. He's only been a positive player twice in the last 16 games, or the wow. Rockets have only won the minutes he's on the court twice as a starter by no less. 
He was plus 35 in a blowout win against Dallas and plus 20 against the Detroit Pistons. Outside of that, they lost the minutes he was on the court every game going all the way back to November. That is pretty wild and I think a little damning. Um, Let's go. Last one here, this segment here, the Los Angeles Lakers. This is an easy one for me. Why can't they stabilize? This is the question. I'm saying the question's easy. The answer, I don't know. They come out of the in-season tournament. They're three and eight. They got a couple wins. They they talked about that OKC game. It's a must win. We're going to reset, and they get a big win in Oklahoma City. And they started losing again right after that. Anthony Davis is 11th in minutes played. Why is this team so inconsistent when they won the tournament and you thought, okay, they're, they should be better than this. Now they're a fringe play-in team. It's 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 head scratching because when they're playing poorly, I mean they look like a bottom feeder. It's crazy yeah. because this is a team that, you know, at any time because of LeBron's impact and 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 Anthony Davis's talent, and really enough around them, they could take on anybody. But I just I think we've talked about this repeatedly, and I think it really comes down to I just don't think. The day-to-day interest in the regular season exists for them, and look, they also are a team that, that, that from a three-point shooting standpoint, they lack a lot of nights. You know, certain nights that, that, you're not overcoming, sure. you're not overcoming a minus twenty-one or a minus twenty-four from the three-point line. It's just really hard in this league to do that, making you know eight, nine, ten threes, and they have a good number of nights like that. So that's part of it. The shooting surfaces at times, and I also just don't think that they're 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 just in that state of mind that you need to be to consistently win in a regular season and all of the teams that do we can go up and down all the teams that do win at a higher rate and say that and i can give you specific reasons why i think it's important for them to do it i just don't know that i'm going to be able to muster that up for the lakers um and i think you know making a run to the conference finals a year ago after the regular season they had for the first two thirds of the year probably solidifies that in their mind that at any time You know, just put, put us in a put us in a one game in a play in. We're going to be fine. Put us in a best of seven with anybody. We have to win one road game to steal home court. We're going to be okay because of who we have. So I think it's a mindset more than anything. It's a crazy mindset. <laughs> they have eleven of the next twelve games are at crypto. So they have if they're going to make a move, legs, it's going to be right now. Because while I agree with you that if they were a seven or eight seed, I think they should be confident going into a play in because you get two chances at it. But if you're a 9 or 10 seed, it's do or die. Right away, the first game you have to win just to get into the next one. So for me, I do look at them and say they're 17 and 17. That's shameful. They have the same number of losses as the Warriors. They only have two fewer losses than the Utah Jazz, which is crazy. Um, And I look at it and I just go, I don't know. At this point of the year, I thought they would have a little bit more of a stabilization. Austin Reeves talked about we're still trying to figure out what our identity is. It's January. Um, So I... There's some things with me with that team that I look at and I go, I don't know what's wrong with them because you should be able to coast to a few more wins than what they've done, just given the talent. All right, let's take a break. On the other side, though, you called them bottom feeders, but there's a couple teams, Memphis, Utah, that are like making a push that we did not expect. And then Golden State, of course, is the big mystery that's just hanging out. So we'll get to all of them as well as the real bottom feeders, the San Antonio Spurs and the Blazers on the other side. But first, New Year, New You. It's time, guys. The holiday season is over. You want to get serious about your budget. You want to get serious about your diet. You want to get serious about your planning. 
Well, let Factor Meal Kit help you. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. They can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You You save time and you stay on track with a healthy lifestyle while tracking all of your uh, to-dos in the new year. Meal prepping takes a lot of time, a lot of planning, a lot of thinking, but with Factor Meal Kits, you just hop on their website and you peruse 35-plus chef-crafted meals every single week that support a healthy lifestyle, whether that's you're a vegan, vegetarian, looking for calorie-smart, protein-plus, trying to get those gains, or maybe keto, trying to cut the carbs, whatever it is, you can search from all that they have and cut that meal prep out of your life. It delivers right to your door. You put them in your fridge or refrigerator, and uh, you microwave them. It takes two minutes. It's really quick. They've also got these juices and shakes and smoothies that are really good for you know snack replacements. So check them out. Head to factormeals.com slash allNBA50 and use code allNBA50 to get 50% off. That's code allNBA50 at factormeals.com slash allNBA50 to get 50% off. Legs, before we get into our next segment, we actually have a super chat. This might be the first super chat. At Producer Emma, is this the first super chat that we've had in all NBA history? No, we had one on uh, the second live show that we ever did. All right, so only the second one, but it comes from Your Highness Charles, and he asks, I know you guys are mostly West Coast, but do you guys know what's going on with my nets? We have, they, we have seemed hopeless. I will say this. Legs is East Coast. I'm West Coast. Legs is East Coast. So we kind of, we balance out, man, to get all of them. But Brooklyn, I think we just put a pin in this, Legs, because I want to do the same thing for the Eastern Conference later in the week, and we can get to Brooklyn. But our my only note is, play your guys. You had a home loss that maybe if you just play your guys. But do you have something quick on the Nets? <laughs> yeah, you know how I feel about that point. I, I was fuming, right. fuming that day that they took that, they took that stance. No, I... Look, I it, it comes down to this. I don't necessarily love their roster. I think Mikhail Bridges is a really mm-hmm. good player. I don't necessarily think from a talent standpoint that you've got a team that really can contend with the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Now, look, maybe they're a little bit better than 15 and 18. Or, is that their record? 15 and 18. Maybe maybe, maybe they're uh, 17 and 18, right? Or whatever, 17 and 16, whatever it may be. That that's about where they're at. They're slightly better than 500 team or slightly below 500 team. And when you look at the teams that they're trying to climb and catch in Eastern Conference, I just think their top talent is just better. And in yeah. the case of the top teams, their depth is significantly better. I just don't listen. Mikael Bridges is a really good player. Mikael Bridges is your best player offensively. Yeah. I'm just Tough. not sure where where that leaves you. Even in the Eastern Conference, we know where that would leave you probably in the West, but even in the East, I just <laughs> yeah. don't know what, you know, if, if his ceiling is is there with the top guys on these other teams. And they lost to the Wizards the other day, so uh, really, really down bad. But we'll do a deeper dive into them later on in the week. Uh, let's get back to the West here as we round out the bottom five teams, the teams on the outside of the play-in at the moment. The Warriors, who have lost three in a row. Remember they had that feel-good stretch when Draymond got suspended and they won five games in a row, including over Boston. Well, now they lose to Denver, Miami, and Dallas. All, you know, pretty good teams. My question, they've moved Wiggins to the bench. You're still waiting on Draymond. They're trying out some different guys. Pods has been good. Kaminga's playing better. My just question is, can they still save their season? I know this is the most broad question of all. I like what you've seen out of Kaminga lately. You're getting a little bit more there. Pods is making a big impact there. Pajenski. So, okay, that's two players who we had big question marks who are starting to say, okay, they look a little bit better. 
is that enough? Is this season still worth saving by the time Draymond gets back? It's going to be it's, it's going to be hard. I mean, I, look, I think a bit this this next five games actually is going to probably have a lot to do with that. They've got a five five game homestand coming yeah. up, and they're yeah. only one. You know what I would call like elite level team. You got Denver, um, Orlando's a good team. Pelicans are Orlando's a good team. Tough. Yeah, they're they're good teams. Uh, but at home, you know, you 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 got to have a pretty good chance to win this. Now they they played really well after the Draymond suspension at first, and they were kind of rallying around that. Um, and now they've lost to some good teams, Denver, Miami, and Dallas, like three games in a row. So the momentum's going the other way. Clay Thompson looked like he was starting to come out of it, and then you know he sort of sinks back into it, and he's you know continues to be frustrated. So there just hasn't been enough signs, Adam, that that collectively they're coming out of it. You mentioned Kaminga. That's a good one. Steve Kerr said is the best stretch of basketball he's played for the Warriors right yep. now. Good for him. And you I agree. Both like him. And that's good. And we're glad to see that. The consistency, maybe the maturity starting to kick in. Um, he's understanding that they're counting on him and, and he's showing up every night. That's great. But the wildly inconsistent performances of some of their guys offensively is making this a very difficult thing this deep into the season to think that it's just going to all of a sudden come together. So, you know, when Draymond comes back, whenever that may be, by the way, we don't even know when that's going to be, will they be too buried to really even salvage anything and make a run? I don't know. Look, Curry's always going to give him a chance, and you're going to kind of yeah. somewhat believe and, and you almost wish for it because he's so fun to watch. But it starts to add up. When this many things have gone wrong, it seems like an awful lot to get this back on the track. Well, maybe Draymond's close. He was at LeBron James's birthday party over the weekend, so you know maybe he's uh, maybe he's doing better. Uh, the Utah Jazz. This is one of the crazy stories. They've won eight of eleven legs. The Utah Jazz, who we just—they look like they were a tanking team. But what were they building? They've won eight of eleven. Now it's been a soft schedule. They beat the Knicks, they beat Miami, and they beat in Dallas. But they have the eighth best defensive rating over that stretch. Chris Dunn has come into the starting lineup with some injuries. Uh, Olenek and, and Fontecchio have been playing really well. Walker Kessler off the bench has been blocking everything. So I guess the question is, are they alive for the play-in? We kind of just, with the Lakers and Warriors and Suns all in that play-in range, they have have eaten up the conversation. But Utah's only two games back right now, the 10 seed. is Are yeah. they a tanking team or are they now a play-in team? Doesn't look like they're a tanking team anymore, right? Which is crazy because that's what really triggered all of the Laurie marketing talk and is he going to be moved, right? And 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 what right. teams? What teams that are close could add a guy like that and maybe be the tipping point for them? And and so when you think that that's the direction they're going in, and then you know, what do you do? You go out and you win a bunch of games. You know who who knew? And now all of a and sudden, and a triple double. Simply, Jordan Clarkson triple double. Did you see that? The first one yeah, in sixteen Clark, years for the double, Utah. First triple double. I I can't remember how long it's been since Utah Jazz had a triple double player, but it's been a really long time. And Jordan Clarkson got it. Um, so now you look at them and you go, wait a second. And, and, and the defense has triggered it because I don't think they've got a great offensive team at all. Markkinen's really consistent. I think – and Clarkson can be explosive, but it's very inconsistent after that. Um, so right. it's really done with their defense, which belies yeah. what the plan is. If the plan is to sort of go into rebuild mode and try to figure out, you know, how to load up for, for the future and push this thing off a few years of when you're going to try to be competitive – you don't expect a team like that to be really getting after defensively. And yet here they are. So, yeah, to answer your question, I think very much now you look at them as being in the mix as like a playing team that, that they've got hope now. They've got some bounce. 
Let's go to the Memphis Grizzlies here. Now we're at the bottom. There are more interesting questions here. We could talk about Ja Morant and making a run of this or that. But here's the question. This is for the Sickos. Their two-way player, Vince Williams, Vince Williams Jr., he's playing 28 minutes a game. He's a two-way. He's been really important to what they're doing. And I just look at the Grizzlies and I go, there are more interesting questions about whether or not they can make the playoffs or this or that. But that's a guy that on a two-way roster has been one of their most important players. Do they? Is this a piece? And if so, you got to make room for him. They don't have an open spot for him. Have have you caught this guy at all? I mean, are, are you interested in all? Over the last 10 games, he's like their third biggest minute player. Yeah, I'm interested in any player that goes this route and then and then turns out, you know, you find a way yeah. where they just can't take you off the floor and that's kind of what he's doing for them. Um, they're an interesting – look, as far as his story going forward, who knows because this can turn quickly with guys in Very that situation quickly. and all of a sudden find themselves out of the rotation. So we'll see how that plays out. This was a team that just – kind of wanted to just keep their head above water until Ja came back. Clearly, they weren't able to do that. And you know, I said to you, when he came back, I'm like, there's still so much season left, and he is so dynamic. He comes back the first game at game winner, and you're like, man, that's yeah. how special this guy is. <laughs> yeah. and, and look, it hasn't been smooth sailing since then. Got sick. They're, yeah. what, six back, I believe, six back six. of the yep. 10 spot. That's yeah. a lot of ground, man, in a little over half a season. That's that's gonna be that's gonna be difficult. But because of John Morant, we're all gonna have one eye on that team and see if because yeah. they've got they've got enough talent and they've got they've got they, they would have had expectations if John Morant doesn't get suspended coming into the year that this is a team that's gonna think they're gonna contend for top four spot in the West. That's that's how they felt about themselves. So right. let's see. Can they at any point go on this, go on a sustained run? And, and let's see what happens with Vince Williams because he, he, all these guys interest me that come in and get an opportunity and then they find a way to stick and, and play more minutes right. than you expected. I'm always watching those guys. They play the Lakers three more times this year and they play the Warriors three more times. If you're trying to make the playoffs, you got to go six and oh in that route because yeah. those are the teams ahead of you. And, yeah. you know, that, that, that takes a big bite out of it if you're able to do that. Uh, the two bottom teams, the Blazers. You know, I was reaching out to some of my uh, Blazers uh, media guys and just asking them, and, you know, what are Simon, Scoot, and Sharp? You've got three guards. If you look at the youth on this roster, they're all guards. S figuring out who you build around, I don't know if you build around all three of them. You don't have to make this decision anytime soon. But I do wonder what combination of those two guys are the two, uh, is the combo. They're all completely different, like different molds of players. Um, what do you make of those three and, and, and kind of who do you like there? And what is, what is the combo that you're kind of most intrigued by? Well, I will say based on what I knew about him and saw of him coming into the draft, I'm very disappointed with what I've seen out of Scoot Henderson to this point. Um, you don't make up your mind on anybody and close the book on anybody this sure. early, clearly. Um, but I didn't expect this. I, I just thought he had can't miss talent. And maybe eventually that'll come to the fore. But right now, I mean, Anthony Simons and Sharp are light years ahead of him in terms of yeah. just consistent production at a really high level. I think he's just very much trying to find his way. And the biggest thing is, like, I just thought he was going to be able to shoot the ball at, at a higher rate because of his his athletic ability to get space. And I, think, I know he's not a pure shooter, but the way that he plays in this league, the way that it's set up, it's made for guys like Scoot Henderson now to have success. And yeah. he has really struggled, man. He's really struggled. Some of it might be confidence. Some of it might be just, 
you know, he's pressing. Um, guys that are drafted really high sometimes press a little bit. But right now, I think, you know, you're looking at Simons and Sharp are like the answer, and you're hoping that, you, you know, you didn't miss with Scoot Henderson. It's way too early to know that. But I thought he was going to be more of a guy right now we'd be talking about um, this deep into the season, his first year. I thought he was going to be uh, you know, up there, you know, with, with Chet Holmgren type guy that we'd say, hey, man, take a look at Scoot Henderson, what he's doing. We haven't had it really hardly any of those nights where we said that about Scoot Henderson. Part of it's nine wins for the Blazers. You're not talking about them at all. But I've been a little bit disappointed right. with with his his lack of looking comfortable and and lack of making you know an impact because of his athletic ability. I haven't seen it. And then the last team for me, the Spurs, obviously the bottom dwellers out there out west. And the question is just who else besides Wimbenyama is your guy? And I mean, look, they have players. We know Sohan is almost certainly one of the guys, Devin Vassell. But I look at Devin Vassell in particular and say, you're built around do we have good players? And then you build around, do we have some chemistry? Is there a, do you buy like a Devin Vassell, Victor Wimbanyama? Is that a chemistry that you look at and say, those two guys have games that should grow alongside each other? Or is Vassell just a player, but not a guy that you're trying to mold to be a running mate for Wimbanyama? No, I think, I think, no, I think he can be. I, and look, and ultimately, yeah. this is really going to hinge on how great Wimbanyama becomes. Because, because look, his, his, uh, if if he blows the doors off, right, of of even expectations, and he ends up being this generational type of player, well, then there's going to be a lot of guys that maybe have some warts in their game that are going to look great next to Victor Wembanyama, because he's right. making up for all of those mistakes, right? It cleans up a lot when you have a guy that talented. So some of this is going to hinge on him. What I have seen out of Vassal, I, I I like. I mean, I think the guy can flat out score. He's very confident. I think Pop loves him, so I think he can fit alongside him. If, if but if Wembenyama struggles here for you know two three years and he, he kind of stalls out at what we're seeing now, and that growth doesn't come, then no, then everybody on this roster is going to be questioned. I guess that's the best way to answer it. A lot of it hinges on him and his upside and how fast he gets there. Yeah. Man, legs, we ran through all 15 teams in the West. I like it. Just a nice little check-in as we start the year. That was a, that was a lot to get to, man. But I I, I thought it was a, an interesting way to look at all these teams. Yeah, and I think all of our East Coast uh, friends, we'll get to them too. Don't worry. There's a lot of yeah. good a lot of good discussion to be had in the Eastern Conference as well. But I think the West is a good place to start. It's been a wild ride out there, man. And I said it uh, yesterday. There's – there's 12 teams for me yeah. that are super interesting. And if you added San Antonio just because of Wembanyama and said they're very interesting, there's 13. Um, right. I think for me personally, Utah wouldn't be in that category and probably Portland. Right. They're probably the only two teams that I don't yeah. really look forward to watching and seeing, and, and maybe San Antonio, because just they're they're right. not they're not in a competitive environment. So that turns me off a little bit. But I'll still watch to see what Victor's up to. But those other right. 12, man. On any night, I mean, they're capable of doing something really special. So the West is just is just fascinating with the depth and and the number of moving parts. And it, the moving parts are all over the board. I think the top three in the West feel like pretty solid. Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Denver have been consistently good all year. But everybody else, man, the movement is just you never know what you're going to get month to month out of, out of all these teams. Uh, Emma, we got another super chat? Yeah, we did. Let's see, Victor. 
Victor Bello says, what's going on with the disparity between the good and bad teams this year? It seems worse than ever, and I don't understand why. I'm going to disagree with this. It's not worse than ever, but it's way worse than last year. So if you remember, Legs, the reason they created the play-in was because we were getting six, seven teams a year that were just outright tanking, not just bad, but really bad. Last year, we did not have this issue at all. And this year, there are four teams, I think, that are really bad. You have San Antonio, Portland, Detroit, and Washington. Those are the teams. And then Charlotte has had injuries. Like Charlotte would not be 7-24 and 24 if they did not have the injuries that they've had this year. Now they're down in that, that category. But there are four teams that are tanking harder or losing more. I don't even know if they're tanking, but losing a lot more than we have seen in the last few years. Do you see this as an issue? Or is it just inevitable that in a 30-team league, four of them are going to be bad every year? Yeah, you're always going to have that. And I, I also would agree with it. You just said, I don't think it's necessarily worse than ever. Um, but here's what I do think happened this year. I think you had teams that were already in the mix talent-wise to compete or contend that went out and got significantly better. Like they added more talent. So you just you separated some teams that maybe had some issues with injuries or whatever right. it may be that, that, that were more like middle-of-the-pack type of teams that now went out and they added and they got yeah. even better and separated even further from some of those teams. So I think what now, what, what you really have is there are more teams I think in the league right now that you just really know, I have no shot to really compete this year. I, I do think right. that I don't necessarily think it's worse than ever, but I do think it's worse maybe than it's been in, in the last few years um, with the, 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 the haves and have nots. There's been a little bit more separation here, I think in the last few years, but there's definitely not worse than it's ever been. I, I just think it's the Pistons. <laughs> I think the Pistons having that losing streak has really painted it. But you know what? The losing streak's over. That was 2023. The 2024 Pistons are on a winning streak. Uh, actually, I, technically, they're on a losing streak. But they're 1-1 one one in their last two games. So <laughs> Right, right, right. They're playing 500 basketball, right? Uh, yeah. Here, this week. Yeah. <laughs> Late, lately, for sure. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, that does it for our first two shows of the week. We are off tomorrow, but we're going to be back Thursday and Friday this week. And don't worry, we will get to the Eastern Conference. I like doing this. Uh, we do deep dives a lot on the show, but it is nice to just check in with a lot of teams and kind of go in that order. So that was today's show. We'll take tomorrow off and we will be back on Thursday. Do us a favor and hit that like button on the way out. We'll see you guys then. Like the mayor.